Welcome to Swinshaw. <laughs> hey, we're so glad that you've joined us online today. Uh, you've picked a great week to join us. We're going to be wrapping up our series, Why Missions? And today you're going to get to hear from a, a great missionary, a great family that we've loved and supported for several years. Actually, if you were here with us last year, you got to hear from Jeff Phillips. Uh, today you're going to get to hear from his son, Gabe Phillips, and he pastors a church there in Chile. Uh, his, uh, his dad uh, planted the church and Gabe has taken it over and is doing very innovative, uh, creative, great things uh, to lead the charge there and breathe fresh life in a new season there in Chile. Gabe and his wife Mildred have four kids and uh, they grew up there in Chile on the mission field and so you're in, in for a, a, a great uh, day for some perspective, great day to hear the heart of not only a missionary but, but God's heart for why we, why we do missions. Well, and then after this week, we're going to be kicking off our Christmas series. We've, we've called it a Christmas journey. And so for the next few weeks leading up to Christmas, we're going to be looking at different characters and the journey that they went on in the Christmas narrative. And, and next week, week number one, we'll be kicking off with, uh, with Joshua. Not Joshua. Joshua's not in the Christmas narrative. Is Joshua in the Christmas story? No, Joseph. Uh, Mary's husband, Joseph, and his faith and his, uh, he had overcome a lot of obstacles, a lot of questions in that first Christmas, and I think uh, very similar to some challenges that we face in 2020. So make sure you come back next week, kicking off our Christmas series. You don't want to miss it. I'm excited to teach uh, that one. But uh, without further ado, here is Gabe Phillips. Good morning, friends from Central Christian Church. Uh, my name is Gabriel Phillips, and it's just an honor to be with you this morning. Um, I am recording all the way from Chile. Uh, one of the maybe fun things about this whole uh, coronavirus 2020 craziness has been the opportunity and the possibility to connect with different people, be part of their, their church services, whether on Zoom or, or, or through some kind of Facebook Live. And, it, and I think it just enriches um, our perspective, it, it gives us understanding that the church is something so much bigger than sometimes what we think it is. Uh, we, we tend to make it smaller and think it's just about our community of faith or, you know, people in our state. And we, I think we don't do it on purpose, but this, this time, if I could think of something that has been, uh, enriching and uplifting, it has been to, to see how we can serve in different parts of the world. Um, recently, I had the opportunity to, to minister to people in India, and I never thought that that would, that would be a possibility. The Lord hadn't put India on my heart, and it's just awesome to be able to share. And then they asked us to share with their youth group, and then my wife shared with, with their uh, women's ministry. And so uh, in the midst of, of such a difficult time, it's, it's a, a true honor and privilege to be with you this morning, uh, to be able to talk about the Word of God, and to be able to share about missions. That's something that's uh, very close to my heart. And uh, I watched the service last week, and I watched uh, Pastor Roger uh, share and, and kind of kick off that that first uh, that first week of of the mission series, and uh, I want to share about what it means to really uh, make every opportunity in our lives something that 
that can be missional. Um, I've, I've had the possibility of, of living in Peru. I've, I've traveled to many different countries. I've lived in, in North Africa. And it just seems like every time that, that we're out and, and, and about, God opens doors to do ministry. But sometimes, and this is what I'm afraid of, sometimes um, when we're at home, uh, we don't have such a, a missional perspective. And San Jose, California is just culturally s- such an opportunity. And um, that's why I want to share a little bit about what God has put on my heart and how we need to free up time, energy, resources as individuals to really be able to respond to maybe needs, you know, across the street or across the border. So the first uh, thing I want to share is a, a phrase that uh, some great theologians and pastors came, came up with, Billy Graham, John Stott, uh, and they said, God wants the whole church to take the whole gospel to the whole world. And, and I love that because it's, it's the whole church. It includes you uh, right there in San Jose, California. It includes us here in South America. But it also means that our efforts combined when we send people, whether it's to the Middle East or, or to, to, to Asia, um, we have these opportunities of coming together and say, it's the whole church that needs to take the whole gospel, the, the good news, the story of redemption that God is, is, is writing and that we get to be a part of to the whole world. And that whole world, it's just so connected right now. Um, I know there's, there's a need for people to, to go to some of these dark and difficult places, and we're in the process of, of training and, and, and bringing together young people that, that have that on their hearts. But to be honest, uh, it's the whole church that needs to take the whole gospel to the whole world. So let's not let ourselves get off the hook as we're the sending church or uh, we're people that, you know, we, we, we could never really, really dedicate much time because we just dedicate some, maybe some of our, our resources towards this. And so I, I really think that this has to be something that's in our, in our mindset, that it's in our way of understanding um, Scripture, understanding our calling, understanding the Great Commission. Um, I want to read a couple Old uh, Testament texts. Isaiah uh, 42 says, I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness. I will take hold of your hand. All right, sounds good, up to there. Then he says, I will keep you and will make you to be a covenant for the people and a light for the Gentiles, to open eyes that are blind, to free captives from prison, and to release from the dungeons those who sit in darkness. So it was never just about this small clan, this small family that God chose because they were very, very weak and insignificant. He chose to show his glory. But they were, as, as he raised them up and as they understood what, what God really wanted to show through scriptures, they were going to become a light for the Gentiles, a light for the rest of the world. But to be honest, they pretty much fell flat on their face 
And, and instead of being somebody that brought freedom and opened people's eyes, they, they put weight on people and they confused people. And there were so many laws and so many uh, different different just interpretations and weighty, uh, weighty just religious things that, the, that they ended up looking inward, um, excluding people and becoming their own little group. And I'm afraid that sometimes we do that as a church too. And, and maybe not your church or maybe not my church. Uh, it, it depends. But, but we really need to understand that God is, is a global God, that he has always been interested in, in people from all different tribes and tongues and nations to, to come to know him. Another text from the Old Testament, Isaiah 49, 6 says, he says, it is, it is too small a thing for you to be my servant to restore the tribes of Jacob and bring back those of Israel I have kept. That's not, that's not enough. Um, I will also make you a light for the Gentiles, that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. That is the heart of the Father. He doesn't want anyone to perish. And communities of faith, churches, um, the one I'm a part of, uh, we're, we're part of a church planting movement. We want to, to be a city on a light. We want people to understand that salvation is something that God is offering. But unfortunately, sometimes the church looks inwardly. The church doesn't really, really understand its calling. Sometimes we circle the wagons and just want to play it safe when we're really being called to something far greater. And to, uh, to talk about that, I, I want to I use the example of, uh, of a teacher of the law, somebody that just kind of wants to say, okay, Jesus, what do I have to do? What does it take? Um, I, I, you know, I want to go to heaven. I, I want to, uh, I want to get this kind of weight off my back. And so he starts having a dialogue with Jesus and it's clear that, um, he doesn't really respect and, and, and doesn't really want Jesus to, to, to teach him. He doesn't come sit at his feet, but he is having an interaction. And in the end, he just wants to say, uh, you know, I, I, I want to, I want to be at the end of at the end of time, you know, when I have to uh, sit before God. I want to be okay in, in judgment, kind of a thing. Um, and I, and I think sometimes we can do that too. It's like I I don't want to like fully commit to this whole church taking the whole gospel to the whole world. How about I just you know. Just do the minimum that's required of me. And so let's, let's see a little bit of this interaction. Then we're going to look at the parable, one of my favorite parables that Jesus, uh, Jesus shares with, with the people. And, and we'll, we'll try to take some applications for our life. So on one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. So you see, he wasn't, his heart really wasn't in the right place. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law? He replied, how do you read it? 
He answered, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. So it looks like uh, he's answered correctly. That's what Jesus says. You've answered correctly. Jesus replied, do this and you will live. But that's, that's a big challenge, loving God with everything that you are and then loving your neighbor as yourself. So he wants to get, he wants to get out of this. And, and so um, in, in order to go deeper, Jesus starts telling a story because he, he doesn't, he, this man isn't, isn't sure uh, to, to what level of commitment do I have to, to, to my neighbor and, and greater than that, who is my neighbor? I don't, you know, I don't want to go to the end of the earth. I don't want to, I don't want to defile myself. I don't want to, you know, touch people that, that could make me unclean. I don't want to go to, to places like that. And so, um, the way I have come to understand this parable is that it's a parable that takes place in seven different scenes, okay? And so there's three scenes that lead up to this climactic moment right in the middle, and then there's three scenes after it. And it's kind of a sandwich, and I think you'll, you'll understand, and if you've, if you've read the story, uh, I think most people have heard it. Maybe it'll be interesting to look at it from this perspective. So scene one is... A man was coming down from Jerusalem to Jericho. Some thieves took his clothes, beat him, left him, and they left him half dead. So Jesus is starting to say, I'm going to tell you who your neighbor is. I'm going to tell you who the people you have to love as you love yourself. I'm going to tell you who they are. And so um, there was a man, right? He comes down. This, this road was known for being a dangerous road. And these people beat him up completely, took his money, uh, harmed him physically. And now this person is laying at the edge of the road, t- totally helpless. Now, uh, it's, you know, it's easy to put that into a kind of a comic book drawing or something that you've listened to and and seen as, as, a, as a kid maybe growing up in the church, or if, if this story is new to you, maybe, maybe it's like, wow, that's, that's you know, rough, rough day. But I think we also need to think about people that are, that are beaten up spiritually, that are beaten up emotionally, that are laying half dead on the side of the road. And, and they might be literally your neighbors that, that live in a good part of town. They might literally be one of your friends on, on Facebook or some other social media. So it's very important to say, all right, that, that person is an opportunity. That, that neighbor, that person that is half dead, uh, laying on the side of the road, that is someone that God is calling me to, to take the good news to. And so uh, if we go to scene two, we're going to see that a priest was passing by, and when he saw the situation, he left to the other side of the road. He went to the other side of the road. Now, now the priest was the hero, the local hero. So people listening to the story is like, okay, the priest is coming, and the priest is going to be brave, and the priest is going to be generous, and the priest is going to be helpful. 
But this, this religious uh, leader, hero of the town, when he sees the dead, half-dead man, right, beaten, he decides to go to the other side of the road. And uh, theologians debate whether or not uh, he was going towards his uh, religious duties or coming back from his religious duties. Either one is, is, is utterly shameful because if I don't see that as an opportunity of loving and sharing the gospel because I have to get to church, it's, it's really, really understanding why uh, the, the Pharisees and the, and the teachers of the law and the religious system just, just didn't understand the heart of God. Um, but, at, but at the same time, if he had already performed his religious duties and was trying to go home, it's like, hey, I'm, I'm out. Like, I already did my service to God. And so it's very important that we keep in mind that this kind of uh, religious versus uh, regular day-to-day life. And for us, I'm a, I'm a pastor, and, and I'm, you know, leading a community of faith, and we're trying to reach out. But, you know, Sunday after, after church, like, let me just kick back and watch soccer. In my case, maybe you guys watch some football, but it's like our lives have to be just fully committed to people in need like that. Um, they also say that the, the priests were pretty well off and probably would have had some kind of means of transportation, but they, he just didn't want to run the risk of, of touching somebody that might have been dead. He didn't want to defile himself. He, he, just, he just chose to go to the other side of the road. And then it says, uh, scene three, a Levite also went down the road. But when he saw him, he went to the other side of the road as well. So this is the third scene. First we have the thieves beating him up. Then we have the, the, the priest going to the other side of the road. Now we have the Levite. And he's like a lesser importance than the priest. So he's like, I know the priest came down this road. If he didn't do anything, why would I do anything? Um, the, 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 the Levite could have risked something and gone and cleaned the man's wounds. The, the, the Levite could have really uh, made a difference to this, this beaten up, bloody uh, mess of a man laying by the road. But for some reason, he chooses not to. So again, the people here in the story are like, okay, the priest wasn't the hero. The Levite wasn't the hero. They were actually very big letdowns. But scene four, maybe something amazing is going to happen. And something amazing does happen. It says, but a Samaritan who was traveling down the road saw him. And took pity on him. This is the climax of the story. This is where the people were waiting to see who's going to be the hero. Who's going to be the person that, that comes and, and, and you know, makes a difference in this man's life. Who's going to be the one brave enough to stick around in case the thieves and robbers were still there. And the person that comes is not who they're expecting. It's, it's, it's not the pastor. It's not the associate pastor. It's not the youth pastor. It's somebody that comes f- 
totally from outside of like the established religious system at, at the time. And the reason is because they had, they had made this too, too weighty. They, they had made uh, religion just all about rules and regulations and just going to the temple. But, but life didn't matter. Uh, you know, life on life, emotionally draining circumstances. They weren't, it's like, I don't have time for that. I don't have space. I'm too tired. My duties to God require so much that I, I cannot get involved. But a Samaritan, somebody from outside, somebody totally unexpected, comes and saves the day. And it's actually an image of, of Jesus coming from outside. He wasn't, he wasn't somebody that was important in those days. He wasn't somebody that was respected. Uh, I don't know if you guys remember that part where, in the Bible where it says, you know, can anything good come from Nazareth. Jesus was questioned. Jesus was in, in many ways hated by the religious elite because he comes unexpectedly bringing a message of hope and salvation and ultimately uh, laying down his life so that we, the, the Gentiles, the not people of God, could have a relationship with Almighty God. And, and through the sacrifice of Jesus, we, we, we get to be healed from our brokenness and from, from our ways that, that totally lead to death. So, so we have this man, this Samaritan, this hero that was traveling, took pity on him, and, and is this unexpected hero. If we, if we keep going, uh, scene five says he approached him and he healed his wounds. This is something that the Levite could have done. This is something that a man of God could have done, but, but they, were, they were just unwilling, unwilling to engage. They were unwilling to take some time to share love with a person that was dying and, and, and beaten and needing that kind of attention. Um, scene six says he put him on his own horse and he took him to lodging. He found a place for the man to stay and, and recover. Uh, many people think that this is something that the, the priest could have done. The priest could have taken the man, could have uh, taken him on his transportation and, and found a place for him to be safe and cared for. But you see, that, that requires having space, having margins in our life, not being so rushed, not being so stretched in our time. And on the last scene, we're going to see that the next day he took out two silver coins and he gave them to the owner of, of the inn, the, the person that that had the accommodations for, the, for this bloody, beat-up man to, to recover. So in this unexpected hero, we see a man that was willing to risk everything because the thieves could have been there, a man that heals the wounds, a man that puts him on his horse, and a man that takes him to 
a, a place where he can be cared for and, and be better, and he actually pays for that. So in some way, he is, is restoring or giving back what the thieves had taken. So it's an amazing way to look at an outsider, an unexpected person, to come into the scene, to have you know, a heart for the, for the broken, lost people, to have the energy and the time to mend wounds and to love people that are, that are beaten and broken and dying, whether it's physically or whether it's emotionally or whether it's spiritually. And finally, uh, we see this, this man with enough economic margin in his life. He had enough resources. He wasn't spread so thin so that he couldn't help and bless people like that, people that were completely in need of, of restoration, of help, of, of time. And my, my prayer for our church and your church, and Central has supported us for close to 20 years now, um, my prayer is that we would never lose sight of these broken, hurting, needy people, uh, whether, whether it's right here in Santiago de Chile, whether it's where you are living in the Bay Area, or whether it's halfway across the world, that we would be people that have compassion. When we see a need, we respond. When we see brokenness, we interact. Our spirituality leads us there. It doesn't lead us away from it. It leads us towards it. If, if, our, if our following of Jesus doesn't take us to a place where we where we go deeper into the suffering of the world and where we connect with people that, that are hungry and that are needy and, and that, that are really, really hanging on by the last thread and, and need some hope, then we're not going to the right places. We're not looking hard enough. And I am sure there's people on your block that are beaten up by life, that are maybe going through a divorce, that don't know how to raise their kids, that are completely lost in this moral maze that people are trying to navigate these days. And, and I just want to invite you to, to say, God, give me opportunities to see needs like this as, as my time to serve, my time to, to shine in the good way of being like, I want to be like Jesus. I want to, I want to show up on the scene like, like the Samaritan that shows up right in the middle and he sees and he shows compassion. These are the seven scenes of, of this parable once again. The thieves beat him. The priest see and does nothing. The Levite sees and does nothing. The Samaritan sees and he shows compassion and he acts. The fifth scene, he heals the wounds. In the sixth scene, he transports the man. And in the seventh one, he spends money on him. And it's just a beautiful picture of giving our lives back in worship, in service, in being the church that understands that 
the heart of God is, is for the nations, for people broken that need him wherever it is, wherever it is that they're, that they're seeking. And, and sometimes they don't even know, but God in his grace and his compassion and his love will, will send you to, to interact with them. Be brave. Don't be afraid. Take these opportunities that God lays in front of your life. To do that, we, we really have to understand. I love how uh, Terry Tim, an author um, of a book called The Movable Feast, he said, worship is offering our lives back to God for the good of the world. Worship, missions, um, loving the lost, pouring our hearts out towards, towards people that don't know Jesus, that are, that are dying spiritually or physically or emotionally. That's our job, to become a, a light to the nations. That's what the church exists for. We exist to, as, as a church, San Jose and Santiago coming together and, and, and sending people to all parts of the globe, coming together and doing these, these global outreaches, but at the same time, San Jose and Santiago de Chile loving the homeless in our areas, at the same time, uh, distributing food to people in need, at the same time, loving on, on marriages that are on the rocks and about to fall apart at the same time ministering to, to young people that are suffering in depression and, and having suicidal thoughts at the same time. May our understanding of Scripture, may our understanding of, of what Jesus came to do and what his kingdom is about, may it lead us to have a, a heart for the lost, a heart for the broken, a heart for the needy. May we organize our life in ways that church goes towards accomplishing these missions and, and not what happened in, in this story where the religious system took them away because they didn't want to be unclean, because they, they didn't want to not serve, not be able to serve, or they didn't want to be late, or I don't know why they didn't respond. But may our understanding of the text, may our understanding of, of salvation be something that leads us closer and closer to the heartbeat of God. He wants all people to be saved. And we have the privilege of being a part of that. Thank you so much for supporting my family, um, but also um, my, my dad, who's been down here for 43 years. There's been so many different churches planted, so many different stories of redemption, uh, so many different countries that have been uh, pioneered and, and new churches and new works have started. And part of that is the faithfulness of the church. It's the whole church coming together and saying, we're going to support, we're going to sponsor, we're going to love, we're going to get behind. And you guys are a huge part of what we do. And I just invite you to orient your life completely uh, towards the, the service of God. And 
leave enough margin to be able to respond when the need comes. May our worship be offering our lives back to God for the good of the world. People need to hear the message of salvation and we're responsible. So the whole church, all of us, doesn't matter where we live, doesn't matter what language we speak, doesn't matter um, the way, what songs we sing, the whole church needs to take the whole gospel to the whole world. And I thank you for being a part of of what we've done as a family. And I just pray that uh, God would allow us to continue partnering and and maybe things we could have never dreamed of, that we we could go even further, that we could... uh, that we could uh, break new ground in different parts of the world and that at the same time, we could be forces of, of reconciliation, peace, and love in the neighborhoods that God has placed us and planted us because it's, it's, it's a both and. It's not an either or. So um, thank you for allowing me to share the scriptures this morning. Thank you for, for allowing me to share my understanding of... Uh, of this text, of this story. It it fills me with joy to understand that we have opportunities to to truly impact the world around us and may God give us eyes to see. We're going to close in in, in a short prayer. Father, thank you for, for your word. Thank you for understanding that you have always wanted Uh, You have always wanted the church or the people of God to be a light for the nations, Lord. Allow our our churches and our ways of gathering and the ways that we interact with the world around us, uh, allow them to be ways that, that speak of reconciliation, that bring hope and love. And we just thank you for the way that your spirit speaks to us, convicts us, and sends us out into the world once again to look for the, the broken, the needy, the, the half-dead people that are around our lives and that need to hear the good news of, of Jesus Christ. Thank you for this beautiful family, church family in, 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 that we have found in, in Central Christian Church. We, we pray, pray a blessing over them. And uh, we, we ask that that the heart for missions would continue to beat strong in, in Central Christian Church. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.